and we're live. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to, to be with us here today. Uh, welcome back, everybody that's viewing us to episode 16 of the Redesign Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Ritwaj Gautam, and I'm joined today by Shruti Goli. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode because uh, our guest today is someone that is like us in the space of making SaaS tools for product teams. So we get to we get to delve into like the design and growth and product product and growth relationship uh, from two different angles. Like, hey, how do you service people that are looking to build product with growth? As well as like, hey, what is what does product and growth look like in your own company? So to that end, I would like to welcome uh, Bentley. Bentley, welcome to the podcast. Um, Bentley is the CEO of Cartograph, but uh, usually what I do, Bentley, is I'm I'm, I'm trash at interview like introducing my guests. So I just I'll, I'll leave it up to you before we jump into this. Uh, if you could tell us just a little bit about your professional journey and how, and your story, your founder story behind starting Cartograph, that'd be awesome. Awesome, yeah. No, thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Um, I, Shruti and I were able to connect um, a few months ago and, and have, you know, kind of learned more about you guys and Trimato since then and love what you guys are doing. So super excited to be here with you guys. Um, as far as me and Cartograph, I'll just give you the quick, kind of the quick version. So my background, I, I have, a, I'm a self-taught, uh, you know, web developer is kind of my early journey. And I, I did that as a teenager um, mm -hmm. and kind of, kind of just started learning like crazy and was obsessed with the internet and obsessed with SaaS tools and, and, you know, um, and, and just all that growth. And so I went, I, I, I did a CS degree um, in college and ended up dropping out. And I was just like, I'm learning so much, so fast, so much faster on the internet. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And, and, and I was able to work jobs and do those things. So that's kind of my, my early background. And then that kind of transitioned me that that was like my first, you know, um, experience with product, digital products and, and, and all that. And then I, I quickly kind of started, you know, kind of taking more of a project lead role, project management role. And then, you know, over the last, I always say over the last five or 10 years, product as a category or as a, as like a, you know, a main motion at, at most SaaS companies has kind of, you know, come to, come to maturity. And, and so I kind of came along with that. And then, you know, a few years ago started Cartograph, which was meant to kind of provide more insight into product development at SaaS. You know, we have all these tools to manage sales and marketing, all these analytics tools. And so we started Cartograph to say, hey, we need more insight into product development as well. How can we improve? Where can we become more efficient? And that was the jump off point, right? We, we definitely have, as most startups do, we've pivoted and learned and, and refined, really. Um, but yeah, where we stand today, we're a product delivery management solution. Um, you know, we, we have a really strong market pull in that direction. We're very excited about kind of the future of Cartograph and, and product delivery as a category. So anyway, yeah, that's maybe hopefully that's quick, a good, quick background on me, but yeah. Yeah, so. no, that's, that's great. Uh, so I think, I think uh, for starters, uh, you mentioned a little bit about what, what Cartograph does, but I think for context setting for the viewers as, as, as we, as we continue on here, uh, if you could tell us a little bit more about what exactly Cartograph does and where it lies in the, the list of like, product management and product delivery management tools because like we use Jira obviously right a lot of people use Jira a lot of people are using Asana there you know there's a lot of there's a lot of tools to just manage product delivery so what what sets Carta, Cartograph uh, aside from the rest like what what's what's the mode yeah certainly yeah yeah so the idea so what we do is we sit on top of Jira we sit on top of Jira or Azure DevOps or some of those tools right and what we do maybe a good comparison is like 
you know, so sales teams, they have their core kind of book of record, like their CRM, right? So they have like right. a sales force. But then there's other tools that sit on top of their CRM to figure out where inefficiencies are, how they can improve certain things, right? So you have kind of broader tools that are more sales analytics or RevOps type tools. You have more specific tools, which are like win-loss scenario, you know, or win-loss analysis tools and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So Cartograph is similar to like a Clary or, or you know, we have a, a company here local called Closed that does win-loss analysis. So we're kind of like one of those tools that sits on top of the book of record for for developers. Um, and, and we kind of pull, uh, we do an analysis and we pull insight from from Jira, essentially, to use one example. Okay. And, and our niche, instead of being broad product analytics, right, there's a lot of analytics tools out there that, that we always call dev analytics. Um, we don't do this, you know, velocity and, and you know, how many lines of code written and, and individual perform, performance metrics. What we do is we track your delivery, how, how good are you at delivery, right? And, and really, more than delivery, it's predictability, right? So that predictability, product predictability, is it, it fuels, you know, SaaS companies. And, and the reason I say that is because every go-to-market team, every executive, every key stakeholder is asking engineering leadership for estimates and saying, okay, when can we expect this? We're going to do all of our motions, all of our processes, our marketing, our sales, everything, customer success. We're going to make commitments around those timelines. And the timelines you know, to, to be, to be gentle, they're very rarely. So gentle. Yeah. I don't want to offend anyone, but, but so as product leaders, we are in this position where we're kind of between go to market and engineering. Right. And we're responsible to the board to say, Hey, here's our roadmap. But at the end of the day, we kind of get called out and people say, okay, you're telling me these timelines, you're telling me what's going to happen, but you haven't been right the last 18 months, right? Like we're right. working on things from 18 months ago and what's the deal. And, and, and so what Cartograph does is we really get in, in the middle of that problem and we say, okay, we don't care about all the dev velocity that's for your CTO to manage. But as a product leader, we are on the hook. We're the one committing to these timelines. We're saying, here's my roadmap plan. Here's all the value we're going to deliver, but then does it actually get delivered? Right. And that's the issue is tracking that delivery and saying, what do we need to do to make sure that the highest value opportunities get delivered to customers? And that at its core is a capacity problem. It's an engineering capacity problem. Mm. And so we're not saying, hey, product leaders need to get involved in those conversations. We're saying we need to understand our, our engineering capacity to know what we should commit to on our roadmap. Right. So what we do is we have an interface and, and visuals that, that show actually how your capacity fluctuates, what you actually have capacity for. And right. then you're planning around that. So it, it's causing, right, the actual outcome of our tool is causing most product leaders to, to actually cut back and say, you know what, we have 10 things we, we want to deliver next year, but we know we have space for these five. Right. And so we're going to we're going to commit to these five. We know we know we kind of have a forecasting tool in our in our in our platform and we, we know kind of when we can deliver them, but we know we can deliver them based on our capacity projection and everything. So, I, you know, I, I could go on forever about that, but. But that's kind of how we differentiate and, and, and that's kind of how we live within the, the broader kind of product and dev ecosystem. And I, I think, first of all, I think you laid it out a picture of really great, a mental model for me to understand where you are in the stack. I'm curious because in, when it comes to product lifecycle, a lot of stakeholders are involved, right? You have product, you have engineering, you might have marketing, like who really is your main persona? And then maybe even sub personas, I imagine like maybe personas directly not using your tool may access your tool still. Um, 
but that's my guess. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, such a great question. So more often than not, it's usually like a VP of product that we engage with. And the reason for that is depending on, on your structure, right? Some, if you have like a CPO level and you have a VP and then you might have a you know, director and then some PMs and different pods, things like that. But it's usually kind of the, the person that's in charge of, that kind of owns the roadmap, right? Right. Uh, and, and at some companies it could be even the CTO, you know, and, and, but it depends, but really we're going to whoever owns the roadmap, whoever owns the broader roadmap, who's, whoever's kind of answering on that roadmap. And, and they're the one that we kind of plug in and we say, okay, you have your roadmap, you have your, your value, you want to deliver your priorities. We have the actual delivery. So, so we kind of make the connection between those, those kind of documents and, and, and provide them the ability to say, okay, here's my priorities. Here's what we can actually deliver, you know, and, and that's, that's when decisions can get made. You can do some scenario planning and, and all that. Um, now we're starting to see, just to add a little bit to that, we're starting to see these product operations roles pop up. And, and not always, but often they own this delivery motion, this reporting, right. on, reporting on if we can actually do what we say we're going to do and those kinds of things. And so we're seeing more and more like director of, of product operations coming in uh -huh. and saying, hey, this is a challenge I have. Can you help me with this? So, yeah. So, so I think, I think this is, this is like excellent context setting, right? And uh, usually we approach this stuff, like we, we start narrow, then we go broad, but I, I would like to do this in reverse because yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like the value prop of cartograph is at like the very fulcrum of what it is that we're, we're trying to get upon, right? Like the, the thesis of this podcast is, Hey, if I talk to enough intelligent people, will I be able to like learn something about the relationship about uh, between product and growth right and and you're servicing like product teams you're servicing the person that's owning a roadmap so as a solution builder for these people what have you noticed as like the biggest pain point where where like people that are owning the product roadmap are scratching their heads about right and i i understand this like fidelity of timelines what part of it is like hey operationally am i informing the fidelity of my timelines with actual historical data am yeah. i backing it with like okay this is how long it took us to deliver that one so can we apply that to understand forecast how we're gonna perform against these future things but broad scale like what have you noticed like where are product teams messing up like what what is the what why do they have this blind spot when it comes to product prioritization yeah, it's, it's such a good question. You know, I, I, I actually posted on LinkedIn a little bit ago, uh, like a week ago about, about kind of answering this, you know, as an answer to your question a little bit. But what I see is, is, you know, product teams, all they want to do, all they're asked to do is, is deliver value to customers. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so constantly they're researching, they're talking with customers, the best ones, the, the best product teams are talking with customers, ideally daily, if not weekly, right? And have these meetings set up, going to lunch, you know, getting into their process, right? Like something I've tried to do to be, to be a better product leader myself. I own product at Carter. Something I've tried to do is, is I've started to offer free consulting to some of our, our top customers and said, hey, can I come sit in your office? Let me help you manage your delivery for a week or for two weeks. Or if there's any value I can add, let me just come bring you guys lunch and sit in on a meeting. And, and, and so those things are, are things that I think product teams at large um, are, are good at doing, are good at talking about doing and, and are trying to do, trying to, trying to find value for their customers and deliver better value. The, the issue is we all talk about delivering value, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this blind spot is, is on the delivery part. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's funny, and, and this is something else I try, try to be gentle on, but, but if you ask most CEOs about what they want from their product and engineering org, they just want them to just ship stuff, just ship. I don't care about future value. Right. And, and I always talk like sometimes I'll talk to, to newer PMs or to junior PMs. Right. 
and they'll kind of say, well, what should I be focused on? You know, how can I, how can I better ask, how, what questions can I ask my you know, customers to, to figure out what value to, to create or what processes should I set up, to, set up to, to glean that insight? And for me, I, I don't know if this is a pessimistic view or not, but I always say, okay, well, if you're a, if you're a newer PM, you're on, you're, you know, you're on a, a, you know, a squad or a group and, and you're trying to do that, I would honestly talk to your leadership and, and figure out if that's really what you should be doing. Because right. I've hired, frankly, I've hired PMs in the past to just try to get our dev you know, team organized and executing on the roadmap, right? And mm. so oftentimes when you join a company, there's an existing roadmap already. There's, there's value has been found, right? And, and yes, there's always new value you know, over the horizon, but just figuring out how to execute, how to organize, lead from the front, execute on your roadmap, that to me is, should be the main thing we talk about as, as product leaders, right? How do we execute on our roadmap? How do we help devs, you know, how do we get things out of the dev team's way, out of the engineering team's way so they can execute better? How can we provide resources to them? And, and that's not necessarily all delivery, right? Not necessarily all kind of my domain, but, but there's always an existing roadmap. And so how can we right. execute better on that? And then let's go find the new value, right? Once we're there and we're just humming, right? We have a system set up and, and our dev team trusts us, right? Mm-hmm. That's when we should go find new value. Right. And, and so I, I feel like that's a blind spot, maybe to answer your question, that a lot, of, a lot of product teams, they're always talking about finding more value, finding more value. I like to ask them, okay, when was the last time that you found value and it got delivered in a timely manner, right? In less than six months, in less than a year. And it, right. honestly, it's not often. And so let's yeah. focus on executing and, and maybe a little less on the value. Like pe- pe- people are stoked about the green field. Like, like every, every new idea is, oh, like this is awesome. The yeah. potential, because yeah. those conversations are frankly more exciting. Like, uh, you know, but they're not, they don't, they don't put food on the table. Right. Then, so I, I, I see it. And so, the, and, and most companies, like you said, you have this product roadmap that's, that's built or like grandfathered in and for whatever it's worth, right? Like that roadmap exists. You could have the meta conversation of should this roadmap look the way it is? Should we change it? Right. Is it actually hitting upon the most value? All of those conversations there, but it's like, okay, there's, there's been some degree of thought. There's been some degree of intelligence that's been applied to this existing roadmap, right? But the inefficiencies in delivering it are, are still inefficiencies in delivering it and need to be streamlined. Am I understanding your take correctly? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So, so in, where do you, where do you find that within now you, you said you own product at Cartograph. Do you, do you, does Cartograph do something different in terms of how, how do you prevent people from just uh, like as an ethos, right? How do you, how do you prevent people from just talking about the, the new exciting shiny thing, right? Like what's, what, how does that, how does that translate to product policy at, or like product development policy at Cartograph? You're putting, you're calling me out. Yeah, no, I like that. No, I, uh, it's not a call out. Oh, he's like this too. He's like yeah. really calling you out. What are you doing? <laughs> no, no, I actually love the question. I love the question. And yeah. um, honestly, I wouldn't say we do a ton differently. I'm very close to our CTO. Um, to be frank, I do think it helps that I have, you know, somewhat of a technical background. I'm not nearly as skilled as our CTO, right? I always joke that I'm like a wannabe technical person. And I, you know, I, 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 I probably belittle myself a little too much there, but but I'm really close to our CTO. We're able to have those conversations and just be honest, right? And and mm-hmm. like I could give you some kind of BS answer about here's the 10 step process of, of how to right. execute better. But really what I think it is, honestly, is trust. And I know that that's kind of a fluffy answer as well, but um, 
that's a big theme for me right now. Like I'm kind of giving mm. you a, a look behind the scenes at Cardigraph because so many people um, resonate with what we're doing, right? With my thoughts on, on product and product delivery. But right. there's, this, there's this theme for us where it's, okay, awesome. You're giving me forecasted timelines. It, you're giving me capacity data. You're helping me understand if my roadmap can actually be executed on. Great. Can I really trust it? <laughs> And, and it's that trust, right? So it's not only with my with our product and our customers, but it's also between engineering and product. And, and the trust that I'm talking about between engineering and product is, is this, you know, I had somebody say to me, you know, as startup founders, we can all resonate or, or you know, commiserate on this. But when pitching a VC, right, when uh -huh. pitching a VC, you talk to them and they're, they're, there's always some healthy skepticism and you kind of have to talk through it and, and all that. But I was, I was doing that, you know, I don't know, a number of months ago. And this particular... Uh, investor kind of said to me, okay, I totally resonate with what you're saying because they used to be in sales. They were a, a tech sales person in their previous right. life. And they said, you can walk into any SaaS company probably any country in the nation. And the, the, the stress and the pain between the go-to-market teams and the product development teams is like palpable. They hate each other and, and hate's a strong word, but more often than not, there's this tension between those teams, right? right. And there's, there's a lack of trust. Yeah. And so I think the big thing, if there is anything different at Cartograph, it's that we have a lot of trust between technology and product, between, you know, product and technology and sales go to market. And, and that to me is not worth sacrificing. We've had times where it's high stress every week, frankly, we have, Hey, this big customer just asked for this thing, or we've got to create a new integration. And the dev team's like, what? Like we can't, we can't context switch again. And it causes all this stress. And that's when I just kind of say, Hey, it's not worth having the argument. Let's, let's simmer down. Let's, let's talk it out. Let's go through our priority list. As long as everyone agrees with, you know, here's, here's the things in order. And as long as we're focusing on the top thing on the list at any given time, everyone's happy. Right. And we get commitment. And, and I would say that maybe if, if there's anything unique, that would maybe be the one unique thing is that we really, you know, trust is at the top of the list as far as what we're trying to do internally. So yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer for your question, but, but I, you know, that's kind of what we try to do. I, I think it's an awesome answer. And I even yeah. have a follow-up. Um, question on some of the things you touched, like while you're opening up on behind the scenes with Cartograph, like you touched on a little bit about your relationship with your co-founder. I'm curious, like how, maybe if you could share a little bit more about that relationship, A, and then B, how has your product changed over time? Like you talked about where you started versus where you are right now. And I love when we bring founders on the call because we get that little insight that a lot of people don't get access to, if you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy. So um, so I have two kind of co-founders. One has been with me, you know, for four years, four plus years. And we're, you know, we're, we're uh, young, young hustlers, I guess. So we always say not, not as young anymore, though, is the problem. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah too we, damn true, man. Too yeah. Damn I know. So, oh, you know, I turned 30 this year and it's a little. Uh, Same. Daunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, and then the, the second one, uh, our CTO, he, uh, he's been with us for, uh, I guess cl getting close to two years or a little over a year. Um, and, but he came in completely revolutionized our tech stack has, has bought in, you know, has, has, has just as much, you know, skin in the game as we do, but he's a little older, a little more experienced. Um, and, 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 you know, honestly with both of, of my kind of co-founders, there's been such a journey and that trust kind of getting back to that main point, um, with Spencer, my, he's kind of on the go-to-market side. He comes from more marketing sales. He does a great job there. Um, we have had so many tough conversations. You know, we're basically, we're, we're essentially like brothers at this point. I've had as many hard conversations with him as I have with my own brother. 
and, and, you know, and vice versa. And, and it's, it just, as long as you're not willing to sacrifice the trust you have in each other, I, I think you're going to be okay. I really do. You know, as co-founders, as a, co- as a founding team, you've got to know that you can trust each other uh, to make the right decisions, to, to know that, Hey, when you make a decision, it reflects on me. And, and we had to learn that the hard way, honestly. And, you know, the early on, it was like, okay, <laughs> let's uh, next time this happens, let's do that differently. And, and, you know, um, and so that, that's been big. Our relationship definitely has evolved. And, and with Bart, our CTO, um, same thing. You know, he got on, he, he came on and we were like, okay, we think this is kind of going to be the way things shake out. And it's like, okay, it didn't shake out that way, but we're still happy with what happened. And, and yeah, Bart, you know, that's, that's part of this. And, and there's just this, this, this trust and this willingness to kind of, you know, trust each other, to hang on and to, to let things change or roll with the punches. But we always kind of have that understanding with each other that, that uh, we're always going to have each other's backs and figure it out. But um, I don't know if that's, maybe that was a confusing answer, but, but to your second question, Shruti, um, our product, oh my gosh, it has changed so much. So we, our jump off point and our, our focus has always been the same. It's really to help product development teams be more efficient, execute better, right? Focus on that execution side of things. Um, there was even a moment in time where we, where we were talking about calling it execution analytics or something like that, right? You know, a year, two years ago. Um, but where we started, so we actually, this is something that maybe isn't widely known, but we actually started, we built a Jira competitor. We said, Jira is the problem, right? Jira does not surface enough insight. It doesn't make it easy to do that. Um, and, and we can, if we build a Jira competitor with that in mind as, as the goal, right? Yes, the, the cards and moving statuses, that's the easy part. Let's, let's have insight be the core product and, and, and then, you know, the kind of the project management system be, you know, secondary to that kind of, kind of fueling that core product. And we did it. We built a good product. Honestly, it was a great product um, and worked really well. And honestly, you know, now you have like a shortcut and a linear and those, those teams are doing amazing jobs at competing directly with, with Jira and, and I, you know, compare it to those tools. Our problem was that when we built it and we got great initial adoption, you know, kind of did a freemium model and we just didn't have enough people saying, yeah, it's really nailing that problem for me. They were like, yeah, it's a cool dev management tool, project right. management tool, but it's not, it wasn't nailing, you know, this execution and delivery, better insight. How do we improve? How do we, how do we get rid of the tension between go to market and, de- and engineering? It wasn't doing any of that. Right. And it was just like a cleaner Jira and, and so what we did is we kind of kept pivoting micro pivots and we ended up having people say, Hey, I love your dashboards and I love the insight that, you, that you're getting, but I can't get my dev team to use it. Right. They want to use Jira. And so that at that point, it was like, okay, you know, light bulb, duh, integrate with Jira, focus on, on the core thing we're focused on. And then ever since then, so that was probably two and a half, three years ago, we kind of made that decision. Mm-hmm. And then, um, from then on, we've just really refined. So I would say we started more in the broader, you know, dev analytics kind of type space, product development analytics type space. And we've refined down to this core problem of, hey, delivery is really hard and it causes so many problems. And mm-hmm. we really refined our feature set around that very specific thing instead of saying, hey, what's the performance like? And, you know, all that. So, so uh, I, I have a question here. Um, I, and and the, I'm I'm so glad you talked about this, right? Uh, I was about to ask. So when when you when you build um, sort of a solution that sits on top of another solution, yeah. right? And how do you how do you understand your product scope, relevant like without encroaching on the underlying solution, right? Where like Cartograph, what 
what is your thought process when you're adding your next feature? And I, I guess like a couple of questions, a couple of things I'd love to know is like, what do you, what are you hearing from your customers in terms of, Hey, what is the most requested next feature? Like what are, what are Cartograph customers stoked about where you're like, Hey, this is the next thing mm-hmm. that we're building. And, and how do you, how do you get to a point where you're like, Hey, now I'm like, do you bite the bullet and start building into the Jira functionality? Or how do you always stay complementary, I guess, but scale your product up, you know? Yeah, it's such a good question, Rit. Um, so I think about this all the time. And, and you know, there's, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big person that says I have regrets or I regret doing this. I, I just have lessons, right? And maybe that's just yeah. a top out, but, but I just have lots of lessons. And one lesson I think in, in starting this company is, is exactly that, right? I always said, we always wanted to kind of operate in the enterprise space. We wanted to provide solutions to large teams. Uh, we wanted to kind of solve this problem. One thing, and, and, and initially we tried to be the book of record. We tried to be kind of the Jira direct competitor and saying, hey, we're going to go and, and snag kind of almost like the HubSpot, the HubSpot approach, what HubSpot yeah. does for us, right? Take that lower end of the market. Mm-hmm. And we tried to do that. And, you know, honestly, the market pulled us in a different direction. And we said, let's be complimentary to Jira, try to scale with Jira. That said, Jira absolutely could add our feature set. You know, a story I could share is, you know, we got kind of close to the product board team um, a few months ago or a year ago or something and and something they shared with us. So they meet with Jira all the time. We don't have the relationship with Jira that they have. Right. So something they shared with us is um, in talking exactly this conversation that they had with Jira and and Jira kind of said, look, we're so big. We, we cover so much geography we're just going to compete with you. Like that we, we can't, we can't kind of, there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like we're just going to keep building our own product and mm-hmm. that's just going to happen. Like, it's not anything, you know, not, we're not trying to offend you or there's not anything we're trying to like attack yeah. you. It's just almost without even realizing it, we're going to end up com- competing with you. So you guys build your product. We're going to build ours. We're not going to try to copy your feature set. We're just going to do what we're going to do. And so that being said, you know, with, with your, I look at it like, you know, so we actually had a customer meeting on Monday this week. And something she said to us was, um, she's like, I just think seriously that Jira is so far behind in this, that in product delivery, that by the time they realize, you know, let's say in 24 months, they realize that it's important. They're, they're not going to be able to build it fast enough to be able to add it. And so definitely, you know, as an open book, that's kind of our strategy is to get ahead of product delivery kind of as a category enough. Yeah. Uh, and that's like advice I would get to give to other product leaders potentially, especially founding teams, but especially founding teams that, you know, complimentary, complimentary other tools is to say, hey, make yourself so valuable that they that they need to either build a, a relationship with you because your customer base is large enough and has ad- adopted what you're doing enough and, and you're the expert enough for them to not be able to catch up or be or be willing to let them compete with you and lean into your brand, lean into what the way you do things. Right. Um, so maybe that's that's kind of my answer. But. Yeah, uh, and and I guess I guess what the other thing I, I I would love to like delve a little bit deeper into is, do you, as Cartograph, like I, I get that Jira is going to do what Jira is going to do, or rather Atlassian is going to do what Atlassian is going right. to do. Massive company, right? Multiple product initiatives, uh, and that's just going to play out the way it is. But as Cartograph, do, do you approach a feature like, hey, this is starting to cut into some Jira functionality? And do you make a decision? Okay, we don't do that because they're already doing this in Jira. Or you're like, hey, I think we should build this. So they'll start doing this with us and kind of glean at least that that piece of whatever it is they were doing, right? Uh, in Jira, now they start doing it on the cartograph side, right? Like, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so the answer um, is yes, absolutely. We're, we're already starting to encroach on other tools. Um, one thing right. we're being, you asked, you kind of asked what's maybe, is there something that our, our user are asking for more than anything else? And one thing, especially the people who are bought into product delivery and, and focusing, you know, leading with execution and then following with, the, with, with value uh -huh. uh, is, is saying, Hey, I want to live inside Cartograph. I don't want to live in my roadmap because my roadmap is just my priority list with fake dates on it, right? Right. Exactly. So it's a wish list. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they say, okay, if I can lead with capacity with execution data and and do that, I still need to have all my my priority list, my roadmap, what I'm trying to build and execute on. And so we're actively adding kind of more roadmapping type features. And we don't necessarily, I wouldn't say we have a roadmap inside of a feature that's a roadmap inside of Cartograph, but we have prioritization. We have the ability to add, you know, data backed estimates to each of these, each of these priorities to be able to push then those things as an Epic or something to Jira. So your dev team can then scope it and, and start to build it out. So, so we're adding that we're definitely kind of overlap. And I think that's something, honestly, maybe the best answer Rit, is you have to just accept that there's going to be overlap, right? Whether it's you For overlapping sure. others or others overlapping onto you. I think that's mm -hmm. just part of it, to be honest. That that's super insightful. So, uh, the the where, where I'm kind of going with this is, I I think there's an element of discipline that comes into play, right? Where when when you're a SaaS tool, like a B2B SaaS tool, and yeah. you're trying to be an accessory to a job function, right? Like there's this element of discipline. I, I could give you the best CRM tool in the world, but if your sales guys are not like updating their CRM right. CRM sheets or like, you know, their lead data, then it's useless. Right. And and so do it. Like, you know, I could give you like, I could give you Jira, like all, all, all bells and whistles. But if you're not, if you're not updating like your product cards, et cetera, is again, like, you, you know, there's, there's a deprecation that happens. So I guess with, with, as from the lens of like the person that's owning product and cartograph, but also generally, do you, how do you inculcate that discipline, right? How does the product inculcate it? Because within a company, obviously, right? Like the manager is like, Hey guys, you got to update your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could like with CRM tools, it's always uh, like, I have a saying, it's like, okay, deals that are not in pipe drive don't exist, right? That's like th that kind of stuff. Conversations that aren't pipe drive aren't conversations. Like, you, you know, you can have that sort of top down enforcement, but there's also uh, something I, I, what I would love to know is like, as a tool, how do you think about this? Like, hey, how do I make sure these guys are able to maintain that discipline yeah. in using my platform so that it doesn't reach a point of deprecation? Because yeah. I feel like that's where, when, when it's like, okay, it's so deprecated, I need to bring it back up to speed. That's where a lot of drop-off happens. Yeah. Right? Where people are like, fuck it, let's just start from scratch. Instead, right, you know? yeah, no, totally. Yeah. It's, such a good, it's such a good question. Uh, and it's something we've thought a lot about. So. I guess the first kind of idea is, is that you're right, right? If Jira, if your devs are not updating Jira or not using Jira, uh, I mean, to be fair, I won't go into all the detail, but there's still some value you can get out of Cargraph. But let's be honest, like, I don't know that I want to get involved in that situation. Right. Um, okay. like, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the memes of the PM and the dev and, and saying, hey, hey, are you done with that, with that, you know, with that task? And the dev says, yeah. And then the PM says, okay, did you mark it off in Jira? And the dev says, no. And then the PM says, well, then it's not done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> And, and so it's totally true. What, what you're saying is, is exactly right. And to be honest, you know, so something on our roadmap, um, we haven't really announced this or anything, but with something on our roadmap, I would say this is very early in the ideation and discovery, right? But um, we talk a lot about this book of record. You've heard me, you've heard me say that book of record. So yeah. Jira, Jira is a book of record, right? But if you don't update it, then it's not an accurate book of record, right? 
the thing with devs is is that when they do their work, they're 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 creating data no matter what, right? When they mm -hmm. do their work, and the most maybe the the best book of record is your code repo, right. and and that's where things happen, whether or not they tell anyone about it, whether or not they update a ticket, something is always going to happen there in there, or else they're not going to have a job, right? Right. And so we're actively talking with our customers and thinking about this idea of. Okay, if your if your devs are not great at updating their tickets, or maybe we can enrich our data even more by pulling in some of that code repo data to say, okay, if we can tie you know tasks and 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 you know AI is an interesting thing, and I don't know if we want to get into that conversation. Uh, but oh, absolutely. <laughs> every every we've done this is our sixteenth episode. There's not been a single episode where we've not talked about okay, AI. Okay, okay, fair. <laughs> yes, and so so you know tying t tying code committed with a with a ticket maybe in an automated artificially intelligent way, you know, is something that we've kind of explored and said, okay, if there's not always Jira data, there's always code repo data. And so right. being able to tie those things together and solve that problem, I think it's definitely a problem to be solved and something we're actively thinking about, but yeah. Right. That's, that's awesome. So I, I think, I think like, let's, let's talk about AI. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think a lot of it, right. Uh, for the way I'm thinking about AI for system of record, stuff and like just discipline based stuff is um it it reduces any moats or like any sort of barriers to seeing value from the tool so i i'll give you an example right like one of our one of our products is our usability testing tool and uh it's great when once you get the data back mm -hmm. right but uh, a large barrier is like building and deploying a good test Right. And the second barrier is like, even after I give you the data back, you have like hundreds of minutes of video data to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, can you actually get insight from that in time for your next sprint or your next build? Right. Can you actually plow that back in? Right. And that those are the two areas we're applying AI because we know our tool is dope. We know the quality of feedback is dope, but there's a user input and like, you know, or, or like a user based analysis aspect of it where which shares our timelines. So. Mm -hmm that's that's the application of ai as we see it for what we're doing right frustration detection once the data comes back in but also hey can i help you build tests faster so you can do this research faster right uh i think i think what what i would love to know is i mean you just touched upon it but ai in terms of how it helps system of record right uh, is like ai is a more efficient bookkeeper it's an excellent grunt work task performer yeah. right and if it's able to correlate like repo commits and stuff to to cards and it's able to do that yeah. uh, that that would be awesome totally. Um, totally so how are you thinking about its utility uh, if you could delve a little bit more into that i'd be really keen to know Totally. Yeah. So another way that we're thinking about it is, is AI as an optimization tool, right? And, and maybe not tool, but AI as this better than humans optimizer, right? Like humans are great. And, and this is the current debate, right? But we're, we're very creative people, you know, very creative uh, organisms. I don't know, whatever. We're very creative. We're very, yeah. we're, we're, we're great at, at providing value to each other, right? But now you have this machine that's meant to provide value to us and it's just this new paradigm. Um, and so one thing we're thinking about it as, as an optimizer, right? And what right. I mean by that is, and, and, and going back to this book of record, kind of like you were saying is, you know, in Jira, and, and, and we're curious how Atlassian's gonna add AI. I certainly think they will. They definitely have the capability to develop their own models, I would say, I would, I would think. Mm -hmm. and, and I hope that they are, to be frank. I think they have so much, you know, access to good data, but, Anyway, um, one idea is, you know, I don't know if you've seen those like AI calendar scheduling tools. They're like, yeah. 
it'll schedule your, your calendar in the very best optimized way. And I haven't personally used one, but there's this kind of, you know, kind of theme that I, I see popping up in, in different conversations, different circles right now about how AI could help engineers better know what to work on when, right? So instead of context switching and having to change their, their mindset or whatever, I don't know exactly how it would work, right? You'd have to do a full scope and everything on that, but, but really figuring out how to schedule devs time and say, okay, these tools or these, these tasks are similar, right? Maybe they're all some type of API oriented task, right? And they could spend right. their whole day, their whole day in API stuff. And maybe some of those tasks are, are things that they're not supposed to get to for three mm -hmm. weeks, but because because they're similar, maybe it makes a lot more sense efficiency-wise to, to yeah. group those together. You know, so there's ideas around a, using AI to, to look at all the work that you need to accomplish in an engineering org and then kind of organizing it and scheduling it in the right, in the right most optimized way. So that's, that's something that I'm kind of excited about. I think is really, really cool. Um, and I think a lot of devs would honestly like love that idea because when I've been deep in very technical projects, writing code, there's nothing worse than like, you know, doing something super mega data oriented technical and then having to context switch, you know, halfway through the day and do something that's totally opposite. And, and right. so it's, it's a cool idea, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so I have a question for yeah, you, just like on this topic, do you see a world where AI would replace someone like an engineer product manager, or do you see a world where it's going to optimize their roles? Um, and I think you touched on it a little bit, Bentley, but I thought I would just straight out ask the hard question. Yeah, yeah I, love that. I really love that question. I, I don't know, honestly. I um, kind of, this is, this is very like opinionated, but as a founder, I'm like, personally, I'm like, I don't care about AI. And I, that's, that's my honest opinion. Like, I think it's awesome and I care about it in the sense that it's a really cool new technology, but, um, and I'm not ignoring it, but, I, but at the same time, I'm kind of just like, you know what? I, I still think AI has really, really far to go. Yeah. Um, I think I, and so that's like my personal opinions on it, but that's, I totally used it to like write papers. Like we put on our own conference back in March and I had every panel question generated, generated by GPT and it did a great job. It saved me like four hours probably. So I didn't have to come up with all these panelist questions. And so I definitely, like, I definitely believe in it, but I just don't care to like, explore that right now and part i guess it could be because i'm just completely encompassed or engulfed by my day-to-day -day at cartograph but um i do think though that said that some of the the most interesting the coolest applications of ai are going to be outside the knowledge worker realm I, I really think i think knowledge workers will get more refined and better at their jobs they're not gonna have to do this kind of like i got read i love that application i think your guys's uh, usability testing is so cool like i'm like there's gonna be a day where we engage with your usability testing stuff because we're we need it and and i'm excited <laughs> but i this love i'm not an ad by cartograph yeah anyway but um but but that honestly that's kind of what scared me away uh not scared me away but why i haven't kind of moved forward on, on something like that right now is because I don't have the bandwidth to go and like create a test. Right. And, yeah. uh, and I actually have a friend that's, uh, he's based in Vegas, but he's working on a company called scribe. And what they do is they it's product for product people, but it, it, you upload your, all your customer meetings and then it kind of gleans the insight and then in aggregate says, okay, here's what your customers want from you. And, and it's a, it's right. a pretty cool kind of concept, but so that stuff, I really believe, I do believe in that, right. It's saving me time but it's not replacing me, right? It's just making mm -hmm. me be able to make a decision faster, better, you know, more informed. Um, so I don't know, Shruti, if, if that's helpful. But oh, I, no. 
to be honest, I'm on the same wavelength as you. So I, I pose the question. I mean, Rit, I don't know how you feel too. I'm curious, but I, I think that it can optimize our day even at its best form. But I think it's always going to be missing feelings and like, yeah, like the human aspect of it, right? Like, yeah. like you said, they're serving us, right? Versus like, yeah, I don't know that human humanistic element is missing in my right. opinion. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think we're all pretty aligned on this, right? There's uh, there's like nano AI and general AI, and right now even even like the best application. I mean, or like <coughs> if we take Chat GPT as the best AI application, it's still a nano AI, right? Like it's it's able to formulate stuff, etc., with a finite set of data. Right. And, and it's able to put that out and it's able to tweak and interact with you, but it's still finite set of data. And it also has a finite application, right? It just generates text. It's a generative AI. And a lot of the applications out there are like generative AI applications. I think ultimately, uh, were there such a thing as a general AI that comes up, that is something that we should be concerned about, right? Stuff that's able to make decisions for itself or decide how it's how it wants to apply itself. That's where that's where I think you know we need some sort of uh, oversight or legislation or something like that. But yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly worried about AI in my in my day to day life uh, as like a job replacer. Yeah. But I I think what it is is it's a job refiner. Yeah. I think I think it's gonna like you're not I'm not gonna waste time doing things that can be automated. I had to do them because there was no way to automate them, right? There was I had to do this stuff, but now can I can I spend more time applying the parts of me that are that are uniquely me, like the creativity aspects, right? Like can I can I apply can I apply like my insight and thought process? Can, am I able to distill stuff down to make decisions? And 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 that's that stuff is still very human, I yeah. think. And yeah, it will always be. Yeah. I was just looking at the time and I love to do this with founders, Bentley, just like get into your personal life and dig deep live because why not? <laughs> so I kind of want to do like a fire round of like, I'll just shoot a bunch of questions at you. Cool. Um, that's cool. So yeah. one thing I learned about you, which I thought was very cool, is that you're not only a founder of a company, you are also a parent. So how do you manage and balance that? Um, yeah, because being a parent is, is a lot of work as well, you know? Oh my goodness, yes, it absolutely is. The only answer is I have an amazing spouse and that's the only <laughs> here. No, I mean, that is, that is very, very true. Uh, my, my wife is more than I deserve and she makes it easy. The thing, honestly, the, the, you know, the, 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 the real answer is my wife and I are so aligned. I, I've never experienced the alignment that we have as far as working on cartograph and just more broadly entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. startups and, you know, she knew it was very important, you know, for us that she knew that about me before we, before we got married, you know, that she yeah. knew this was, this was who I was. I'll always be in startups. It'll always be, you know, this way. And she also really understands kind of how wealth is created, right? She, she understands that the, the, the opportunities are in building things you know, the, the world is every builder's oyster, Right. That's just the truth. If you're a builder, even if you work at a company, right? If you're a true builder, you're going to get promoted faster than anyone else. That's going to be recognized. You're going to be rewarded for it. And so I think we're so aligned as far as, hey, we are builders. We're going to build. And that's hard. 
And as long as we know that together and we trust each other and we, we know that it's going to be hard to build stuff, but we're going to keep trying to build stuff and create value for the world. You know, we, we really, I really feel with, you know, between my wife and I that we can accomplish anything. So just that alignment and that trust, I think is huge for us to be able to kind of take on whatever life throws at us. But yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. All right. I mean, well, that's, that's excellent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> good, good answer. Um, you highlighted, I think, some positives, like just being a founder going through this journey, like what I mean, the highs are high, the lows are low, right? Like what's a couple lows maybe that you've been through or even one um, that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, everybody has different challenges in life. And and I've had, certainly had my own growing up. You know, life is never easy for anyone. Um, but, you know, there were a few things that happened growing up that were just so hard. And I thought, you know, as I got older, I was like, cool, I got my hardship out of the way. My, my adulthood's going to be easy. And that's never, that's not true at all. Right. And, and there's certainly people that have had it way harder than me, but Cargraph by far has trumped anything hard I've had, I've, 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 you know, had to, had to work my way through in the past. And it's such, been such an interesting kind of thing for me, very humbling, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the, the reason that it's been hard is just, the amount of, you know, accountability, I, I kind of believe in this concept of extreme ownership. Um, there's a book yeah. out there called extreme ownership. It's, it's just basically everything is your fault is kind of the concept, right? Even if you had nothing to do with it, even if you didn't know, right? If you're a leader, then everything right. is your fault, which means you the should- The buck stops with you. Yes. Right. That's it, yeah. And so I, I really love that concept, but it also makes it really hard, right? If you're, if you're saying, hey, I'm willing to be completely accountable for every outcome because I started this thing. I convinced investors to give me money. I convinced people to, to, to take a, a job role here and to, to let me try to provide for their family. Then everything comes down to you, really. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure to take on. And it's a lot of sleepless nights. And it's a lot of 2 a.m. My dreams turn into my reality because I can't stop thinking about it. And I just wake up and start working. And, you know, that that's... That's the nature of being a founder. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think founders should embrace it, uh, but also be prepared for it. So, right. Good. So as we're nearing our, like our tail end, we got, we got about like 10 minutes left. Cool. Uh, what I'd love to do is um, ask you one more like technical question. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start wrapping up. But how does, how does like, success measurement right like when you i guess like the the explicit question of at cartograph how do you think of product as a driver for growth and how do you actually measure that like do you do you have how do you get to the point where you're like okay this product initiative or this this feature right this is this is how we put a roadmap for path to dollars or like we we think about it as a driver for growth Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have a really boring answer, and but I but I, I've learned you know been around long enough to learn that I think the boring answers are usually the correct ones. So I, I learned this, answer. this isn't mine. This isn't you know it's just I've been, it's been beat into me. And the, the honest answer is 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 dollars. Um, if you're building product, if you're building product and and you're creating value, meaning dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Then then you know you're doing the right things, and you know you know that you should keep investing in that direction. I, I think it's easy for founders, right? Earlier we talked about, you know, as a, as a PM, you want to chase the shiny new thing and all that. And, and the same thing happens for entrepreneurs. I, I don't know if this happens for, you, for both of you, but, but it's, there's always like some, oh, that's a really cool idea. And you get excited about it. And it's like, well, that's easily a billion dollar idea. You know, and it's, it's like, well, it's going to come down to execution and it's going to be really hard. And it's no better than any other idea, to be honest. And, and, and so I just feel like it's, 
you know, I feel like me as a product leader, I'm often like, oh, this feature sounds so cool, so awesome, right? But are there actual dollars that will follow it? Are there people today that would give me dollars up front to build that thing, right? That's that's the true indicator of, of value and of, of where growth will happen. And, right. and then on top of that, right, the people who give you dollars for those things, those are the people who are willing to say, hey, yeah, that's super valuable to me, valuable enough to me that I'm willing to part with dollars today to get it in three months or whatever, right? That, right. Are you kidding me? That's every entrepreneur's dream or it should be, right? At least yeah. every, every experienced entre- entrepreneur would just start drooling over that. And, right. and then like my, you know, my suggestion or my experience for growth is to lean into those people, right? To lean, the ones who are willing to do those kinds of things or see the value enough that they're willing to give you dollars for something you're building. It's like free advice versus money where your mouth is. Type yes. Stuff, right? like, yes, exactly. I just, I mean, that's the hard thing, right? It's so tempting to say, oh, look what they said and look what they think. And well, who, where are the dollars? You know, let's follow the dollars. That's value. That's how our society has decided to, to, you know, to, to symbolize yeah. value. Right. And so that's where the value is. And then invest in those people who are giving, you know, returning value to you and, and ask them for referrals, ask them to come on a podcast, ask them for a recording, right? This is something we're actively doing is doing like 15 second recordings of our, of our customers who see value and, and, and then sharing those and saying, Hey, look, this person gave us dollars. It's changing their process, which means it's giving them dollars, right. Mm-hmm. And using our tool and, and just kind of trying to, you know, create some, some growth through that. So anyway, I, yeah, hopefully that's a, a good oh, answer. That's, that's great. I, I think, I think a lot of people that like, or a lot of organizations, that relationship gets, uh, it, it gets so many levels separated that sometimes you're just building shit for the sake of building shit. Mm-hmm. And, and I think bringing that back to like a one-to-one relationship between, between like the product and the dollars, like they don't have the product and the revenue that it gets. Well, well that's why, that's why product people should be the best friend of the VP of sales and the CTO. Yeah. And like that, that, you know, we, that's my favorite thing about product is product is the most entrepreneurial position that I see at, at any company because yeah. you get to touch everything and you, you should be at least right. I don't know if you yeah. guys, I mean, is that, yeah, is that 100% relate to that. Like to right. a I, I even chose the, when I first like graduated college, I worked at Microsoft and I even chose the product management route specifically for that reason, right? I felt like being a software engineer, you don't get that same level of impact that you do as a, mm-hmm. as a PM for sure. Um, and you get mm-hmm. to feel the customer's pain really closely, right? So I'm, I'm with you. Um, so uh, I think I think we're near the tail end. This has been an excellent conversation. And uh, if I've learned anything, Bentley, it's that I would love to hang out with you and get some beers. So <laughs> we're, we're, both, we're both in Salt Lake. We got to hang yeah, out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, but also, I, th- I think, you know, we've touched upon a lot of stuff uh, and uh, from, from like measuring product success to like building a tool that allows people uh, to, to, to like make product delivery more efficient uh it, this has been just chock full of knowledge and before we wrap up uh is there anything you'd like to plug or just let let the listeners know what you got going on um no i'm i'm good i mean you can check out cartograph.com if you want uh check me out on linkedin love to connect i'm a huge i'm i always say i'm a startup guy like i love startups if you're thinking about starting a company just do it and it's not gonna be perfect and it's gonna be a mess like like my journey has been but it's gonna you're never gonna regret it it's gonna be amazing I, i'm sure you guys would say the same thing um yeah. And yeah, would love to connect more with you guys. Rit, I feel like, you know, you're down the street from me. We might as well, right? Yeah, man. 
Sounds like a plan. Uh, thank you guys. This was so much fun. I love what you guys are working on. Um, and you guys are such a cool person. Thanks for being here. You're awesome. Thanks for being here. Uh, and then for all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in to episode 16 of the Redesign Growth Podcast. This has been this has been excellent. I'm your host, Rit, and joined by my co-host, Shruti. We'll be back uh, next week, same time, same place, with another guest and another conversation about design and growth. Until then, have a great weekend and see you next week.